Is there evidence that God exists and that the Bible is actually His direct communication to us through the men who wrote it? Today on Creation Magazine Live, reasons why Christianity is true. Get ready for faith-encouraging information starting right now. And for even more, visit creation.com. I'm Calvin Smith. And I'm Richard Fangran. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about evidences that prove that Christianity is true. And the Bible's true and that you can trust it. That's and, right. Uh, yep. Romans 1.20 um, says that there's evidence for God, and, and you can know that there's evidence for God by studying His creation. Of course, this is the area that uh, CMI, uh, this is what we focus on, we, we specialize on, because for the invisible things of Him from the creation are clearly seen. You know, um, By the things that are made, you can know that there's a God and that uh, people right. are without excuse. If you're, if you're out there saying, well, there's, there is no God, actually the Bible says that you have no excuse. Because you can tell from what God created that there is a God. Um, and yeah. that, uh, I mean, there's, there's not that. enough evidence in creation to, uh, to save people, but they, they, there's enough evidence that people know there's a God. Right. And, uh, and that will drive them to, that should drive them to seek out who He is. Right. And uh, if we turn our focus to the Bible, um, that's, a, that, that's, of course, God's communication to us. Uh, the Bible claims many, many times to be the Word of God. Right. Uh, actually, over 3,000 times you see statements in the Bible such as these, All scriptures God breathed, no prophecy was produced by man, but spoken by God. And God said, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, and the Word of the Lord came to, etc., etc. There are statements like this. The Bible claims to be the Word of God. Right. Now, that doesn't... That doesn't prove that it's the Word of God, but it claims to be the Word of God. Right. And so, one of the arguments that the Bible, that the Bible's claims about itself are accurate right. is its, its unity. Right. It, it has a unified message from cover to cover. Right. We look in John 5, uh, 39, 46, and 47. It says, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is... Uh, they that bear witness about me. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So um, the, the scriptures bear witness uh, that, that God's word is true. Uh, believe Moses, you'd believe me. There's a unity in there from beginning to end. We don't right. just, we're yeah. not just New Testament Christians. We're not just hanging out in one part of the Bible. From beginning to end, there's a continuity, there's a unity. Yes, even um, Jesus says, well, the, the, it, it, the, the Old Testament is about me as well. Right. And here's another verse here in Luke 24. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Right. So here's Jesus Unity. talking to some disciples and said, okay, we're going to go look in the, at Moses and the prophets because in there you're going to find reference to me, uh, to the Messiah, etc., etc. Right, yeah. Uh, here's uh, W.F. Albright, uh, a famous archaeologist. He says, to the writers of the New Testament, the Hebrew Bible was Holy Scripture. It is, accordingly, quite impossible to understand the New Testament without recognizing that its purpose was to supplement and explain the Hebrew Bible. Again, unity. Right. Now, why is that such a big deal? Try, try this experiment. You can, <laughs> you can try uh, to take uh, 10 different men with a similar education and the same language and the same cultural background and have them write a paper on one controversial subject, <laughs> such as the meaning of life. See how much unity like you find. <laughs> Are, exactly, right? <laughs> Are they going to be the same? Of course not. Right. They're going to be they're vastly different. Right. What's the meaning of life? And you, if you take people in a similar background. But the argument with the unity of Scripture being an argument that it was from God, right. 
the Bible isn't just 10 men. It's actually uh, 40 men. Right. And it's vastly different. They all had vastly different educational backgrounds. Exactly. Many different cultures were represented. It's written on three different continents uh, all over the place in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Over 1,500 years, they weren't all living at the same time. And it's finally, it's not just on one one subject, but on hundreds of subjects. And yet the Bible is, is a unity. Right. It's one continuous unfolding plan right. of God's salvation. Things written uh, before uh, certain events, uh, prophecy. There's so many prophecy, different things. That's right. We're, we're, we're going to go into some things now. We can't prove Christianity to be true, not in the same way they can prove that you know water boils at 100 degrees right. Celsius, etc., right. uh, etc. Et it's it, there's no test you can do that. By the way, there's no uh, experiment that you can show me in a lab showing me non-living chemicals turning into uh, the first life form either. So creation and evolution. If you're an atheist, you believe that everything made itself. We're in the same boat here. But we can prove Christianity to be true beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the same thing that you do when you're in a court. Right. Uh, that, that's uh, the conclusion that you can come to. And yet people say, well, no, 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 I've found a contradiction. Right. Um, I, I get right, right away there, uh, there should be clues as to, you know, we, we've, Christianity is not terribly new. It's about 2,000 years old now. And, and Christianity itself was, of course, it came out of Judaism, right. which goes back to the dawn of time. It's been scrutinized uh, for a real long time. So when people say, I found a has. contradiction, it's like, yeah, that's probably been dealt with somewhere before, it's, but anyway. It's, it's almost like uh, you know the, 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 the college student who's been exposed to the Bible for the first time thinks that no Christian in history has ever discovered this before. <laughs> right. um, now, a couple of things about contradictions, though. Uh, number one, uh, really a contradiction, if, this, if the same person is delivering, why that would be bad is because if you, you tell me two different accounts and they contradict each other, and you were aware that there's a contradiction, basically you're lying to me. That's what you're doing. You're right. telling me one thing, then you're telling me another. Yep. If it's in the same context, that's wrong. Of course, God is God. He cannot lie. So this is why it would be a problem. Uh, just a note for the atheists out there. Uh, why would a contradiction be a problem? Where's your, where's your standard for absolute right and absolute wrong? If you don't have an absolute right, why is a contradiction wrong? Because there can be no wrong things. But anyway, yes. uh, we'll leave that at there. If, if there were, I guess the point is, if there were contradictions in Scripture, it would be a clue that it was not the Word of God. Right, because it would and, be a lie, yes. etc. So, um, you know, you need to d- define contra- contradiction. A contradiction is something where um, it cannot be yes and no in the same context. And, and right. I heard a great analogy right. from uh, uh, apologist Ravi Zacharias one time. He said, it's like, you know, if I'm at a, uh, you know, some party or something, somebody says, hey, Cal, is your wife pregnant? And I say, yes. Ten seconds later, somebody else says, Cal, is your wife pregnant? And I say, no. Well, there's a problem. There's a contradiction. Because you can't be pregnant and non-pregnant <laughs> at the same time. Right, ladies? Right. <laughs> so, so um there's, you, there's, you, there's, you would look for some kind of qualifier. It, it couldn't be yes and no in the same context. If I was a liar, if I was a bigamist, if I was a... <laughs> right, it, it, right. That might be a true statement. But in the same context, it cannot be. Yeah. Um, what people often bring up is, is uh, apparent contradictions right. from kind of a surface reading of the Bible. For example, the Bible says in one place that Judas hanged himself. Right, that's after, how he died. After denying, denying Christ. In another place it says, falling headlong, his body burst open. Right. And people say, that's a contradiction. That's not a contradiction. No. Because you could imagine this scenario. Judas hangs himself, and after a few days, the rope breaks, and his body falls headlong, and he bursts open. Um, not a contradiction. Right. It doesn't follow the law because of, uh, of contradiction. Because we're not talking about the same event at the same time. 
etc. Right. So it's not a contradiction. It's not like pregnant and non-pregnant, or a you know the example. It's raining and it's not raining. It can't be raining and not raining at the same time in the same location at the same time. And those those apparent contradictions are a clue to the Bible's authenticity, right? Because we're, they they weren't made up. Uh, we're not making this up. Yeah, because you've got a this understanding Christianity. It often involves studying carefully. I mean, C.S. Lewis had a great quote. He said, if Christianity was something we were making up, of course we could make it easier, but it's not. We cannot compete in simplicity with people who are inventing religions. How could we? We're dealing with fact. Of course, anyone can be simple if he has no facts to bother about. You, you, can, right. you can make your story sound the right way, but uh, it's when truth is involved and you've got all these different things happening uh, from different people's uh, perspectives, um, it, yeah. you know, that's where the, the apparent the bottom contradictions line is, come from. There's 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 apparent contradictions because it's it's talking about real things. Not we didn't nobody made it up, uh, but there's no real contradictions. Right. Another area is Bible prophecy. There's another clue uh, that says now the Bible is the word of God. God right. can tell the future. He knows the present. That he's, he's he's outside uh, of time, uh, so he can see everything. Yep. That's right. And there are many many prophecies in the Bible concerning Jesus. Right. And, and here's a list of just a few of them. Uh, born of a woman, not of a man. That's that's a bit of an odd statement there. <laughs> Going all the way back, and you you can see many different prophecies that we've just summarized a few of them here. Yep. Uh, in this in this chart, he pre-existed creation. He shall be called Lord, prophet, priest, judge, king, anointed by the Spirit. You can see where that was prophesied hundreds of years, in some cases thousands of years before right. Jesus, and the reference there as to where it was fulfilled. Yeah, preceded by a messenger, said John the Baptist, etc., etc. Yeah. Sold for thirty pieces of silver. That's well, a that's Pretty accurate prophecy. It <laughs> is very, very accurate. And yet, that exactly that came to pass. Yep. The 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 chances of that happening, of all of this happening by 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 chance or by luck or whatever you want to call right. it, is 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 ridiculous. And even to if Jesus that. read the scripture, and knew uh, it was going to happen, would you really put yourself through that just to make it appear legitimate? Right. Now, there's so. evidences that the Bible is the word of God. Now, of course, Christianity focuses around the person of Jesus Christ. That is the focus of all of history. Uh, most calendars that you're familiar with nowadays, even all of history, we're in the year 2012 here right. that we're recording these shows. You may be watching these 2013, 2014. Uh, where, do we, where, does that, where does zero start? The right. birth of Christ. That yeah. was the, the, the whole focal point of all of history is Jesus Christ. Um, and that is the focal point of Christianity. He, his death and resurrection on the cross... Uh, so, so the, a big question then is, who is Jesus? Well, that is the question. That right? is different the question. Different religions believe yep. different things about Jesus. Some people don't even believe he existed. So anyway, who was Jesus? Well, great quote by C.S. Lewis. Uh, you have to set up this question. Famous uh, Christian apologist and, and writer. He said, uh, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we may not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would be not be con uh, a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg, <laughs> or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. He did not intend to. 
Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend, and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. Yeah, and that, that's a classic argument that many apologists, many defenders of the Christian faith today use. Um, it's the, the trilemma. The trilemma. You've got, a, you've got three possibilities for who Jesus is, to answer that question about who right. Jesus is. If he said he was God, and he wasn't, then he's nuts, right? He's, he's going to be crazy. He's, he's going to be a lunatic. Hence the lunatic option, right. yes. Um, if, he, if he lied, well, he's a liar, right? He's not, he's not a good moral he's teacher. Not. Liars aren't good moral no. teachers. No, And um, so we got so, to Lord, liar, or lunatic. And so the only other option is that he was who he claimed to be. That's right. And C.S. Lewis, of course, uh, famous for writing the Narnia series, a friend of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien who wrote The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Um, Lewis was for a long time an atheist. Right. Many atheists have undertaken to disprove Christianity. Yes. And they go in, they study, for example, the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Christ. Yep. And they study and they study and look at, look at historical documents and, and, well, okay, yes, Jesus was, I mean, there's still people nowadays who suggest that Jesus wasn't a historical figure, which seems completely bizarre. Bizarre, yeah. I mean, knowledgeable historians don't say things like that. Right. Yes, Jesus was a historical figure. Who was he? Uh, did he die and come back to life? Well, the, the people who've undertaken a study of these things, of, of to, to try to disprove what the Bible says, most of them end up becoming Christians, like C.S. Lewis. <laughs> he said he was one of the most depressed believers ever after, <laughs> after looking into that's it. That's right, because yes. He, 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 I guess he just felt like, oh no, it, it really is true, and he had to give up his sin, and he had to turn to Christ, and then so he said he was one of the most depressed believers. Yeah, I mean, Josh McDowell, a, a few, you know, a couple of generations later, Josh McDowell did the same thing when he was in college. He was annoyed with these Christians, and he said, "Okay, look, I'm going to do you guys a favor, right. and I'm going to disprove Christianity so that you can get on with your life." Yeah, and in his studies. He, I mean, he was, he was a bit of a scholar, and he, he wanted to, an, to honestly analyze the data. Right. And he looked at it, and you, you, you can't disprove the resurrection. Right. It should be easy to disprove. I mean, good grief. People who are dead for three days don't come back to life. <laughs> I mean, it should be easy to disprove something like that. That's right. Now, yeah. atheists have tried to wiggle out of this trilemma, right? Yes, They've tried yes. to say things, well, you know, maybe, maybe there's another option here. Um, actually... Uh, one of the most famous, well, he's not calling himself an atheist right now. He's calling himself an agnostic, agnostic. Richard Dawkins. And, and in practice, he always was. But right, Dawkins right. has said that there's another possibility to this trilemma. And he says, quote, almost too obvious to need mentioning is that Jesus was honestly mistaken. What's the only thing in, in that trilemma that Jesus could have been mistaken about? That he was God, because he was either a liar or a lunatic, right? So... If he was mistaken, he was mistaken about being God, that which means if, doesn't if you really told me you were God, I'd say you were nuts. So again, we're back. It's the same category. Yes. I mean, the epicenter of Christianity is the events uh, on the cross. Christ dies. Uh, and then, of course, the resurrection where he, he rises from the dead and conquers sin and death for the believer who puts their faith and trust in him uh, that we can have eternal life. So if Jesus didn't uh, rise from the grave, uh, the Bible's very clear. We're, we're fools. We're to be pitied. We, we're, yes. we're not saved from our sins. We're still in our sin. Yeah, we're delusional. Um, um, so th th this, this is a really important um, 
aspect of, of what we believe. Yeah, and again, many people who've investigated the resurrection, thinking, well, it should this should be a pushover thing to, to disprove, right. um, have, have become Christians, right. <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, we can look at some resurrection evidences. What are some things that we can think about to see, you know, to judge whether or not this, does this make sense? Well, the, probably the number one thing is the transformed lives of the disciples. Right. Uh, one moment uh, they were they were fleeing in terror, yeah, basically in the in the in Gethsemane and and not aware of of what was going on at all, and a few weeks later they're 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 promoting the resu- the, the resurrection, and and at the not risk even of death. death can stop them. Right. right. Um, uh, Jandy Anderson says this about the uh, the transformed lives of the disciples. Think of the psychological absurdity of picturing a little band of defeated cowards cowering in an upper room one day and a few days later transformed into a company that no persecution could silence and then attempting to attribute, to attribute this dramatic change to nothing more convincing than a miserable fabrication that they were trying to foist upon the world. That simply wouldn't make sense. Right. There was an event that transformed these people's lives. Now, what would it be? Well, if you believe that um, Jesus rose from the dead and he proved it to you, because there'd have to be an event where you, you, you'd believe it. One minute you don't, sure. one minute yes. you do. Yes. Well, just like myself, just like yourself, you know that Jesus has conquered sin and death. I mean, really, what can you do to me? Can you kill me? No, you can't. You can kill this body, but you can't kill. I, I, I will be in heaven. Uh, because of what right, Christ did, right. so yep. uh, that's why they were um, they were transformed. Um, here, continuing on here, um, are these men who helped transform the moral structure of society consummate liars or deluded madmen? These alternatives are harder to believe than the resurrection, and there's no shred of evidence to support them. Um, Paul Little, know why you believe? In the 19, he wrote that in 1967. So. These, these men's lives were changed, and they also changed the structure of the societies they lived in. They were willing yeah. to die for what they believed in, and that yeah. transformed... And, and tell so many other people. That, that yeah. was the start of Christianity. That yeah. event uh, dramatically transformed their, their thinking, their whole lives. Right. Um, we, and it's a, it's, so it's a, attempting to explain that, if the resurrection never happened, is very, very difficult. Right, if they never saw Jesus. Let's move on. Post-resurrection experiences. How do you explain those? Um, uh, C.S. Lewis, again back to C.S. Lewis here, he says, the first fact in the history of Christendom is the number of people who say they have seen the resurrection. If they had died without making anyone else believe this gospel, no gospels would ever have been written. Right. Enough people were convinced uh, this wasn't done in a corner or anything like that. People saw uh, Christ resurrected from the dead. That's right, yeah. And uh, we can, another quote here from John Warwick Montgomery. Note that when the disciples of Jesus proclaimed their resurrection, they did so as eyewitnesses. And they did so while people were still alive who had had contact with the events they spoke of. In 56 AD, Paul wrote that over 500 people had seen the risen Jesus, and most of them were still alive. Right. Well, so now they're, they're saying this in, in Jerusalem, first of all, in Acts 2, among the people who not that long before would have been involved in, in the mob scene that, that had Jesus executed, right. they would have known that if Jesus hadn't come back to life, they, what, would they, what would they have done? Right. They would have got the body and put it on a cart and dragged it down Main Street, Jerusalem, and right. that would have been the end of it. There, you're being debunked. But, yes. And they been, would have wanted to do that Absolutely. As well. 
right? Because this was an insurrection, et cetera, et cetera. You want to, would have wanted to quell that. Yes. Right? Uh, the quote goes on, it passes the bounds of credibility that the early Christians could have manufactured such a tale and then preached it among those who might easily have refuted it simply by producing the body of Jesus. Right. Now, we've covered just a few areas of evidence here for the divine origin of the, of the Bible. For more information, go to creation.com apologetics, and you can research many more things. We're here uh, with the feedback section. We often get feedback on our website, uh, people writing in, uh, right. sometimes skeptics, sometimes non-skeptics, sometimes just people looking for more information. And we received an email from uh, this fellow, J.A., in the USA, and he was concerned with the foundational Reformation doctrine of sola scriptura. So the idea that uh, we are to look at the, the Bible as our authority, not on the traditions of men, or something, any extra-biblical extra uh, knowledge right. or anything like yeah, that. The Bible alone is our authority as right. Christians. Now, one of his concerns, he, he apparently had contacted many other ministries and was looking for information, and uh, one of the, the things he brought up is, well, the Bible does not tell us what books it is supposed to have and what books it is supposed to leave out. So he's saying, well, if, if, if we're saying that you know, we're just supposed to go, go by what the Scripture says, how do you know what the scripture is? Yeah. Uh, which is a good point. That, that's, uh, very that's good point. That's a good point. question. It's a good question. And for more details on this, you can actually follow along in the article, creation.com slash sola scriptura. And you can follow. There's, he asks other questions. We'll focus on just a few here in the remaining minutes. Um, so so we, we can answer that question right. if, you, if you can read the article and get more details. Because he did um, have other questions, but he anyway, did have this other is questions. the focus of our feedback. Um, and it, Lita Costner, uh, one of our information officers, responded to that. I'm just going to read her comments. I don't think I can improve on what she said. She said it very well. The books of Scripture have always been recognized by Christians and by Jews for the books which are a part of the Protestant canon of the Old Testament to have special binding authority over matters of faith and practice. First, it had to be written by a first or second generation Christian. That is, someone who directly knew Christ, like John or Peter. Paul counts too, uh, because he had his Damascus Road experience. Or by someone who was directly taught by someone who knew Christ, like Mark, who wrote Peter's account of Jesus' ministry, or Luke, who used first generation Christians as his sources. Second, it has to be used as scripture by the whole church, something that was used in Alexandria, but not in Antioch or Rome, for instance, wouldn't qualify. This may seem circular. Uh, Lita expands on that here. For something to be cleared scripture for the whole church, it has to be used uh, that way by the whole church, but it's really not. It's more of a formalization of what the church had already recognized long before the attempt or long before the concept of a formal canon was thought of. Right. So people, uh, skeptics will often say, oh, well, there was a certain council that happened, and at that time you guys picked which books of the Bible uh, were going to be in the Bible. Yeah. It was some kind of lottery or whatever, and certain books lost and certain books won, and so really... Well, that's not the case at all. It's not that's the case. not what happened in history. Right. And she continues here, finally, no book which is currently a part of Scripture was ever rejected by the church at any point in history, and no document which is excluded was ever included by the majority of the church. There are very early documents uh, uh, which confirm this. Uh, a leading New Testament Greek scholar Bruce Metzger, uh, he said, you have to understand that the canon was not the result of a series of contests involving church politics. You see, the canon is a list of authoritative books more than it is an authoritative list of books. These documents didn't derive their authority from being selected each one was authoritative 
before anyone gathered them together. Right. And so, again, there's this controversy among skeptics that at the, like the Council of Nicaea, which, which right. had nothing to do with that, it, that, was, that was on the deity of Christ, but uh, it wasn't the Roman emperor who decided which book should be included and which shouldn't. Right. So sometimes people have a little bit of knowledge and then they hear some skeptical argument and, and go from there, but it doesn't turn out to be a good argument. Yeah, we can be sure that the Bible we have is the Word of God, and there's lots of evidence for that as well. Both the Creation Magazine Live TV show and this podcast are produced by Creation Ministries International, a global think tank organization dedicated to disseminating the huge amount of scientific evidence for the accuracy of the biblical account of the origin of our universe. If you'd like to donate to keep this information coming, go to creation.com donate. And thanks for listening.